0: bringing you up to speed on the latest in conservation, science, and responsible hunting in Canada. Hey everyone, it's Mark Hall, and you're listening to the Round Canada Podcast. Tim Thurley, welcome back to the Round Canada Podcast. Thanks for having me. Awesome. No, it's um, it's great to have you back on. We were about a month or so ago, and... um, we did a really in-depth podcast on the state of the gun control debate in Canada. And so just going to have you back on to give us an update on the announcement this week by the federal government on its new proposed amendments to Bill C-21. So kind of like a follow-up to that, that previous podcast.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, it's great to be back. Uh, even if it's in in this context. Uh, Yeah, the government made a series of firearms announcements over the past week or so, and the most consequential ones happened this past Monday um, before the committee meeting on Tuesday. And those were the long-anticipated amendments uh, to replace G4 and G46 that we all sort of expected to see again and that the Liberals had promised to reintroduce. So, the amendments are collated um, by the committee clerk, and there are, from my knowledge, approximately 160 pages of amendments. We have not seen them all because the committee has just entered clause by clause review, which means that they're going through all of those amendments one by one so all that we have to go on right now is the wording of some of the amendments that have been uh discussed at committee and that are being discussed at committee right now and will be discussed uh Mm -hmm. uh, at committee again uh tomorrow that's on uh, thursday we're recording this here on uh on wednesday 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 night (laughs) yeah forgetting what day it is um yeah so we have about three clauses that we know or three amendments that we know of and we have a, uh, a technical briefing as well from public safety canada
0: okay okay so yeah there's still still lots to learn uh, i guess in the coming uh, days and weeks here so maybe walk folks through um, some of the key bullets of things that that were announced and um, there's stuff about the semi-automatics again, magazine capacities, um, you know, a bit of bit of stuff like that. So that's obviously a concern for folks. But mm-hmm. yeah, just pick pick it up wherever you think and go through what we know. Okay. Well, I think we can start with. Uh, well,
1: maybe best to start with the the magazine because that's probably not going to be part of the actual amendments. It's going to be done by regulation.
0: So the federal government
1: already has the power to regulate magazine capacity, uh, right now, and they want to, and they they pledged to do this a while ago, so we knew something like this was coming. Um, basically, making sure that magazines that were long gun magazines that were limited to five rounds, um, but were originally larger, so and limited by a rivet, um, that apparently is not going to be considered good enough anymore, and they will require permanent alteration um, of the magazine to hold five or fewer rounds from whatever its original capacity was. Now, we don't know exactly what form that'll take. Um, We don't know how those changes will be implemented, if they're going to be retroactive, if they're going to be only future-looking. I would imagine they have to be future-looking based on just how impractical that would be. There are likely tens of millions of magazines in Canada, many of which are pinned or riveted to be five rounds or fewer. So yeah, we don't know what form that one's going to take and and we don't have any good information on that um, beyond that the federal government has restated their intent to do that and that they already have the power to do it. What'll probably be most Concerning to your listeners is the reintroduction of the gun ban amendments. Uh, G4 was the definition that was uh, banning a large number of semi-automatic firearms with detachable magazines that had the potential to hold five rounds or more. And G-46 was a list which included a list of firearms banned of the 2020 Ordering Council and a list of new firearms including of special concern, the SKS, the M1 Garand, um, the WK180C, etc. And that list has not returned yet, um, and it will not return in this bill and I'll get get into what that means later. However, the definition itself is back, so we have text of the definition, and it's in a bit of a different form. So a prohibited firearm would be any firearm that is not a handgun, that discharges center fire ammunition, and it does so in a semi-automatic manner, and it was originally designed for a detachable magazine with a capacity of six cartridges or more. Uh, However, the interesting change that they've brought forward is that according to them, uh, both the text of the the amendment and the federal government's briefing materials, is that the firearm um, to be prohibited would have to be designed and manufactured, so and, not or, after the day the law comes into force, which means that according to this amendment, specifically just this one amendment, anything that you own now would still remain legal. Now this gets into a lot of really really tricky legal questions though and the government has pledged to do some other um, bans around this, so that does not mean that you're safe just because this has um, been the new amendment. It's certainly something of an improvement, but um, But it doesn't mean that this is over. Um, Yeah, there are a number of issues with
0: that. Right. So that that statement about the prohibited firearms being ones that are manufactured after Bill C-21 comes into effect, is that just specific to the semi-automatic or to the previous topic that you just talked about, about magazines that hold more than five?
1: Uh, That one would be specific to um, semi-automatics that were originally designed for a capacity of six cartridges or more. Okay. So that would be essentially the old amendment G4, except the definition now is forward-looking instead of forward and backward-looking.
0: Okay. So the folks out there that currently own like Mm -hmm. Mm lever-action firearms with the tube magazines that hold six in it uh if this goes through they will legally be required to have something permanently done to those
1: uh no so this will only this will only apply to the semi-autos this this definition here um, the magazine regulations might impact lever actions they might not we don't know anything about that yet um, but this okay, new so we definition... don't know
0: when they say magazines if we're talking the detachable or the tube magazines so that's uh, yeah, so that's, it's air.
1: so it's two separate things there. Um, the the first one is a magazine law change that can be done um, by regulation, and they don't need they don't need an amendment to do that. The other element is the amendment they're reintroducing to Bill C twenty one, and that one okay. applies only to semi-automatics that are not handguns and that have detachable magazines. Where that detachable magazine that it was designed for originally contained six or more cartridges. So that would include, that would not include probably the SKS. It would include, for example, um, AR-180Bs, likely. Uh, It would include, yeah, essentially any semi-auto that could take a, a detachable magazine of six or more.
0: Yeah. Okay, okay. So, yeah, shotguns. Like there was the big thing before with mm-hmm. with the two amendments of like the duck hunting shotguns that had the two magazines that were semi-automatics with mo- that held more than more than five. That some of those, if I recall, were on were on the list. They weren't specific to ones that had detachable magazines.
1: Yeah. Uh, so this one will only apply to detachable magazines. Uh, the okay. list itself is gone. For now, and the for now is a is a key aspect because of something else yeah, okay, that the liberals have pledged okay. to do. Um, okay, which I, I don't know. Would you like me to get a bit more into the technicals of this definition before we move on, or should we uh, should we move on? Um, sure,
0: okay. sure. I think the more the more details you provide, that's that's awesome.
1: Yeah, it sounds good to me. Okay. Um, Well, what this will do, because this amendment is forward looking, um, again, based solely on this amendment and not getting into what they might do later, is that it would prevent most new gun designs in semi-auto, especially ones that come from Europe and the US. So it only applies to guns that were designed and manufactured. after the date after the bill goes into uh goes into effect but if this bill passed next year and in 2025 some european company introduces a revolutionary new semi-auto that has a seven round detachable magazine that would be prohibited in canada so uh because most countries don't have as strict a magazine limit the ones that allow semi-autos don't have as strict of magazine limits as we do in canada Uh, you would run into a situation where anything made outside uh, of the country has a good chance of no longer being legal in the future. Um, There are also a number... Unless the
0: manufacturers decided to make a firearm specific for the Canadian market, which is probably pretty unlikely because we're not nearly as big as some other countries.
1: Yeah, and that's where the wording gets tricky is because it's not just that they would have to make a firearm specifically for the Canadian market. They would actually have to design that firearm for a magazine that could only hold five rounds or fewer, uh, which is uh, they couldn't just slap a new version and say, Oh, this is the Canadian version um, because that parent firearm would be banned. Um, But there are a whole bunch of, when we get into what the text of this amendment says and designed and manufactured, it, it gets really legally tricky, potentially, because what does designed mean? Um, does it mean when the person first opened their you know AutoCAD file to design that gun on their computer? Uh, does it mean when they last saved that file? Um, what if a firearm is modified by the manufacturer? What if they release a new version? So the WK-180C Gen 1 versus Gen 2. Um, what about a version from a different manufacturer? Different manufacturers are often uh, given different FRT entries, even if it's the same exact same gun. So would that mean it was designed before, designed after? Um, what about a new caliber? So these are all areas where we don't really have clarity from the government. And it could be that, um, for, I'm trying to think of an example here, A company makes a new version of a gun that already exists in the Canadian market. The government decides that because there are a few design changes, um, even though it's a version of a gun that already exists in the Canadian market, it can't be sold. So it gets really legally tricky and potentially technically complex, and we don't actually know how this is going to play out. It's very weird wording, and it does strike me as being one of those... um, well, I, the government has essentially admitted that they did this in uh, concert with the NDP and the Bloc, um, but it does strike me as one of those wordings that's been designed by a committee, and they haven't given full thought to how it would play out in every scenario. And in the last SECI meeting, which was yesterday, that's the committee responsible for this, Conservative members did raise a number of these concerns. Uh, they were accused of filibustering, but honestly, these are very, very valid concerns, which industry I am sure we'll be asking the government as well.
0: Oh, okay. Because before this amendment package came out, it was sort of being um, framed as an amendment that was going to focus on the firearm manufacturing industry and not like the citizens like the, the other amendments did. So part of that, a... that sort of seems to be embedded here.
1: Yeah, there will probably be another amendment about manufacturing. Um, We don't have the text of that amendment yet, so I can't speak to it in detail, Um, but the federal government has briefed that they want to require every firearm manufacturer to submit uh, any newly designed firearm uh, to the RCMP for an FRT verification. So a firearms reference table number meaning that the RCMP would have to inspect that firearm individually to make sure it's actually non-restricted. This is pretty much trying to solve a problem that doesn't really exist in Canada. Uh, Generally speaking, most firearms that are imported need an FRT entry anyway, and most firearms that are domestically manufactured, um, Canadian manufacturers mm-hmm. tend to be very, 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 very careful about making sure that their classification is extremely clear. So, yeah, I, I think all the the only effect of that will be to delay manufacturers bringing new guns to market, which will just increase costs for them, but won't actually have any tangible um, difference besides that. But that we don't know the text, so that could be a bit different. Okay. The other text we do have uh, that relates to manufacture right now is the unlawful manufacture clause. So they say that um, any firearm will be prohibited which was unlawfully produced regardless of the means or method of manufacture, which is a very weird definition and something that's very hard to prove. It's meant to go after ghost guns, but it, uh, that's, well.
0: That's the, three, <laughs> the 3D printed
1: ones. It's meant, it's meant to, but uh, okay. it's very difficult to prove that a firearm is unlawfully manufactured. Um, if it was unlawfully manufactured, that it was unlawfully manufactured, you know, after this comes into force. Um, yeah, it's, so without delving too much into the legalese, that's what we know about uh, manufacturing right now. <laughs> yeah.
0: What was the date you printed that gun on? Yeah, so that
1: could come into play um, and the other the other one we have, just to, to round out the clauses, is um, a clause claiming that the bill must be read in a way that protects Indigenous treaty rights and even as a non-lawyer, I look at this clause and this is completely legally meaningless, um, Indigenous rights are embedded in Section 35 of the Constitution. And the government cannot override the constitution through statute law in most cases. Um, so this is actually not, it's, it's a PR exercise, this amendment, there's no actual. Yeah, nor,
0: nor could, nor could one piece of legislation say, Oh, under this act, we're going to follow the legislation of another act or we're going to follow the constitution. And it's like, duh, of course you are. So,
1: Yeah, and and it doesn't mean that the way this is enforced won't be found by the courts at a future date to collide with Indigenous rights. It's, It's sort of, in a way, it's sort of like saying, and this is obviously an extreme analogy and hyperbolic, but it's a little bit like saying, you know, okay, this bill bans the internet in Canada, but this bill must be read in accordance with the Section 2B Freedom of Expression Rights of all Canadians, which is, it's pretty meaningless. It doesn't mean that the bill itself doesn't, uh, impede on those rights it's again just a right. PR clause there's no legal meaning to it and
0: and when it comes to indigenous rights under section 35 as I understand it, the those constitutional rights don't supersede the Canadian criminal code and would they supersede and this is constitutional law stuff, so you don't have to answer it, but, um, you know, would those rights supersede the federal firearms legislation as well? So that's kind of a... Yeah, now I'm
1: getting a little bit out of my area. I know there have been constitutional yeah, no, I'm discussions totally about out of this my area, in the past, but, but so... it's just, I,
0: No, I think it's a question in people's minds because I have seen this kind of come up before, right? That it's like, well, these semi-automatic firearms that hold more than six would be banned for non-indigenous people but they an indigenous person could hold them because they have section 35 rights to to uh, hunt on on the land and people were like you can't really do that with the law but i i know that that's some of the, the stuff that was floating around out there before so
1: yeah, that might be an area to have a lawyer on to discuss all the intricacies of that. That's a,
0: <laughs> it's a, it's a really totally. complex area. But, but anyways, yeah. your point was, is there is a section of this new amendment that's sort of affirming the fact that indigenous people have constitutional rights under section 35, which is like you said, more of a PR thing mm-hmm. than actually something that has legal teeth.
1: Yeah. Like if they didn't include that clause at all, nothing would change.
0: It it still applies, section thirty five of the Constitution. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, nothing changes. All right. So um maybe talk a little bit about the reinstatement of the firearms advisory committee.
1: Yeah. Yes. So The Canadian Firearms Advisory Committee was initially established, to my recollection, by Stephen Harper, and it was designed to be an expert advisory body of firearms owners that was independent from the RCMP, uh, so that they weren't always going to the civil service on that, that could provide input from a wide variety of stakeholders and experts on firearm issues. When the Liberals were elected, they kept the committee initially but they re they rejigged it a little bit so that a number of gun control activists were also included on that committee and that met with a little bit of skepticism at the time um, but the co-chair was uh, natalie provost of uh, police uh, and i believe in 2019 though i'll have to check my dates on that Um, She was upset that the committee couldn't agree on anything and couldn't get anything done. So she resigned from the committee and the committee has been effectively dormant since then. Now the Liberals have promised to resurrect that committee and most importantly in the context of C21 and the amendments that have been proposed, including this new definition, uh, they have said that when this committee meets they, which has a deadline of august thirty first um, to meet and present some recommendations um they would like that committee to examine uh which firearms it believes should be prohibited and then they have pledged to ban those firearms by ordering council
0: now so no no debate or scrutiny in the house when it's an o i c
1: nope and we don't know who's on that, who's going to be on that committee.
0: Now, if that's a committee
1: that includes um, a wide variety of stakeholders, such as indigenous groups, uh, gun owners, uh, shooting sports representatives, Olympians, uh, then okay, that's it's not great. I don't think they should really be telling the government what to ban by ordering council probably not the role um, for that sort of committee, but then probably it's going to be relatively innocuous. So that's one reading that they're doing this to make the issue go away. And I think certain gun control groups, gun control groups are split on this, I should say. Um, Some have been quite upset and apocalyptic because they see this, um, at least publicly, as a tactic by the liberals to drown this all in um, sort of a little committee somewhere and make it all go away. Some gun control groups have also been extremely favorable toward this, and which raises the question of whether they have been perhaps promised seats or whether they believe that the committee will be maybe a bit stacked in the Uh, on the side of wanting to ban more firearms. And critically, when a reporter asked uh, Minister Medellino at the press conference making these announcements whether the SKS would be legal under this definition, his reply was, for now. And the suspicion was that uh, the new CFAC, this Firearms Advisory Committee, will be given a Mandate and will be stacked in a way that it uh, Will essentially request the Liberal government to ban by order and council the firearms that it was planning to ban in G 46 anyway
0: Yeah, okay, which was like 500 and something Yeah Now firearms the 517 or something. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Oh so boy. we don't know how that's going to go We don't know that's gonna go it could go either way. This could be a big nothing burger yeah. or it could be um the 2020 Order and Council on Steroids. The uh, good news for gun owners is that if this uh, is done by Order and Council, a future government can repeal it without having to go through Parliament. So the Order and Council can be repealed in exactly the same way as it was made, um, overnight, instantly. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. However, if it's so entrenched in a bill, be... it has to go through parliament.
0: So there's going to be a a a, a big focus on the next federal election, so oh yeah. Yep.
1: <laughs>
0: it'll it'll be it'll be a federal election over gun control. I I can see that coming. So jobs, yeah. the economy and the environment are probably going to take a back seat to this as the focus of the next federal election
1: yep when governments what? are how far doing... away
0: are we from how far away from the next federal election um yeah like l- unless they called early what would i don't i don't follow that so it's
1: uh, october 2025 if they go to the last possible minute
0: if okay so but it could happen yet, anytime. So... Yeah, and there's
1: been yeah, some speculation okay. about a fall election, but nobody... I mean, that happens every year in every government when it starts ticking toward the end, so we don't really know. right? Uh, yeah, and I think... I do think... Like, governments, especially when times are tough and they sense that they're on the back foot, do tend to try and attack with some scare tactics, wedge issues, that sort of thing. And the the Liberals have really um push that quite a bit uh, it's not just it's not just guns there are other topics as well that they've done that on uh, and it can work i think it worked somewhat against Aaron o'toole however it's really tough to say if people will buy it i think there's also a sense that the liberals might have realized they've pushed just a little bit too far and tapped out the gun control, um, the little gun control gift that keeps on giving for them in urban areas. Okay. Because the definition itself, and only banning firearms in a forward-looking sense, is actually quite a big walk back for them. So again, it doesn't mean they won't turn around and go and ban everything order and council anyway, in which case your firearm would be banned, there would be no backwards provision there. Uh, allowing you to keep them or use them or anything that was designed before. Um, but I, I think there is a sense, given how, how watered down this particular definition is from before, that maybe they've realized that there's only so much um, you can go after gun owners before it starts to become a political problem. So we'll see what happens in the next election. Uh, the one thing I, I do think they might do, if they're really aiming to make CFAc uh, political, the new advisory committee, would be to ban a few of the scariest-looking guns, and then run the right. conservatives repealing that, which is a lot of a lot easier of a sell than saying, "Okay, duck hunters, your uh, your shotguns are banned, or deer hunters, your rifles are banned. Good luck."
0: So, yeah, or. Or like the whole issue with the sks where they figured there could be between two and three million of those guns in canada in it and you know one of the most popular hunting firearms for indigenous communities across across canada that was a pretty hot potato there uh a few months ago so
1: mm-hmm.
0: yep yeah. well there's wow.
1: like when you get into these bands and and I think they probably won't go after the SKS at this stage. And the reason I think that is because partly there are so many of them that are out uh, in society. There are also quite a few of them in indigenous communities, but also the getting them, like doing a buyback is essentially impossible. It can work in limited context, but in that case, you need a lot of buy-in um, among gun owners, among the people who are being targeted by these measures to willingly go and turn their firearms in, and I don't think right now that the, um, the trust among gun owners is there to want to cooperate with a plan like that. So if the government doesn't want that to turn into a massive boondoggle, I don't think they would. Um, they might leave it as a parting gift for the conservatives if they really think they're going to lose the election and really want to wedge issue. But I. I not to get into speculation, but mm-hmm. I think they will probably try to ban some things through the committee, but some things they probably won't.
0: So, one of the biggest criticisms, again, I've read this week on these new clauses that have been released is it's still echoing the same problem they're talking about violent crime committed with firearms and the vast majority of that in this country is done with illegal guns that get across the border these are still amendments that are talking about tinkering with legally held firearms by law-abiding firearm certificate holders so um you know, other than the thing with the ghost gun, um, it, it really isn't, again, what I've seen critics saying. You're still not addressing this root of this problem of where violent crime is happening. And it's, you're barking up the wrong tree again is kind of the, the metaphor, I guess.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Um, Dr. Uh, Noah Schwartz, who's a professor at uh, University of Fraser Valley, and myself wrote an article in the uh in the national post that was published today and in that we said that the government's and this was about the mass casualty commission that applies to the government as well um focusing on this issue is like desperately trying to repair a faucet that you know drips every five minutes like leaks occasionally well there's a water main that's burst and it's flooding your basement it's just completely nonsensical uh, the way they're going about this if you want to actually reduce crime uh, and i should add that there are a number of really really bad provisions that are still in c21 that are uh, i don't think people realize quite how nasty some of them are um, the way the appeals mechanism is changing um, if your firearms license is revoked um, the if, if you're subject if you've ever been subject to a, um, a protection order Uh, I believe Peace Bond, you are automatically permanently ineligible for a firearms license. So you'll have a lot of people there who are in their 60s who, you know, took, uh, maybe did something when they were 20, who they, which they regret, or maybe they didn't do something and just um, took the easy plea, who will be ineligible permanently to hold a firearms license um, because of this which is a huge concern. Uh, It will affect a lot of indigenous people. There is an appeals mechanism, but only if you're a sustenance hunter, only if you need to hunt to sustain yourself. Um, So it wouldn't apply to gun owners in general. Uh, These are are some very nasty provisions that were included directly in Bill C-21 that I don't think a lot of people are talking about so it's still not good legislation we'll see if those we'll see if that's improved as they go through the amendments um i'm hopeful that some of the really really bad provisions um, which will especially those which will disproportionately affect indigenous people are removed um but the way this has been handled so far i I don't hold out much hope that this is uh, legislation where the intentions behind it are uh, going to change in a way that is actually focused on uh, the real problems, which are, of course, illegal gun smugglers from the United States and uh, the root causes um, that we see yeah. in society right now.
0: Yeah. Wow, man. Um, great update. Short and sweet bullet points. Um, hopefully that, uh, helps answer a few questions for folks. And, um, I think we have a lot more to come, uh, -hmm. in the coming months as, as you learn more and stuff. So, uh, I can see us getting back together probably several more times this year to kind of, uh, keep folks up to date. So I really appreciate you taking your time and, and, um, Telling our listeners kind of your interpretation um, and and sort of collectively what the other experts are are finding on on all this stuff and and including the announcement that was just made this past week. So mm-hmm. appreciate your expertise, Tim.
1: Yep, no problem, anytime. And this issue is going to keep trickling over the summer, uh, right through until the fall. I really doubt the committee is going to get through this whole amendment package by uh, their recess at the end of June for summer. So we'll probably still be talking about these amendments into summer, and we'll probably have some kind of indication as to whether there's going to be another order in council ban or not by then as well. So it could be quite an All eventful right. fall, and C-21 is not gone.
0: And last November, everybody got blindsided by two amendments to Bill C-21, I think on November, early November or something last year, that uh, it's kind of precipitated a whole bunch of this stuff. So I guess the, uh, we're still eyes wide open that something could come out of left field. So if it does, we'll have you back on the show to tell us like what the hell just happened here if there's if there's one of those. So hopefully not, but um, yeah, I can see us, uh, us getting back together and keeping the folks up to date. Tim, thanks. Uh, is spring arriving in the north?
1: Absolutely. It's uh t shirt weather today.
0: Oh fantastic. I've never seen it like this L- at this little, time. A little bit of climate change in the Northwest Territories is okay.
1: <laughs> yep. It was actually warmer here uh in what a couple days ago than it was in most of the continental United States, which is absolutely wild. Oh, wow. like, I think Hay River was hotter than Texas, so it's absolutely wow. crazy up here. The ice is melting fast.
0: Jeez. Geez, well, you're getting thrust into summer quickly. So, mm-hmm. all right, uh, folks, you got questions about um, what what Tim's covered here? Uh, drop me a note. Uh, I'm uh, in contact with him all the time uh, on social media, so we can maybe ferret a few few questions and answers back and forth uh, that way. So, uh, again, thanks, Tim, and uh, hey, everybody, you're up to date on what's going on around Canada. <laughs>